You're listening to a podcast from 702. Of course, we've talked about uh, whether or not uh, the NAFSAS model, uh, you know, is going to be the best way to operate. There are other plans that are being discussed as much as the president has released the Fees Commission report. There's also talk, of course, that there could be an alternative plan that will soon be announced. Treasury, for its part, have said they're waiting for direction from the president before giving a formal response. What do the political considerations at play mean in all of this? Joining us now in studio is political analyst Ralph Matecha. Good afternoon to you and thank you for your time. Good afternoon, Bongani, and good afternoon to your listeners. Thanks for inviting me. What would free higher education mean in terms of the country's fiscal management? Well, firstly, let's start with the terminology. The whole idea of a free education in the first place can be misleading because someone has to pay for it. There is no such thing as free education. Either as a nation, we can take the responsibility of paying for education for all the students who are studying, or we can continue with the current model where everybody or quite majority of people have to see it for themselves as to how they fund education. The reason is also because universities have to run on money and so forth. They are not uh, free entities and so forth. So you have the cost that is associated with running that. So, but the manner in which the topic has been dealt with in South Africa, it has got two extremes. That makes it very difficult for one to get a sense of nuances with this. One extreme uh, position says that uh, we need free education where government has to do it and pay for just about everything. And the problem with that is that the government will have to take money from other uh, competing priorities. You you, you don't have endless uh, type of resources. You can even borrow and so forth, but, but there are limitations as to how far you can go. So if you are going to say, from that point of view, if you are going to say government is going to pay for education and so forth, free in the manner in which it is expressed in this extreme position, you are going to have to forego other priorities. And on the other side of the debate is another extreme view that says that uh, you cannot uh, 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 involve government heavily in terms of paying for education because it will result in a fiscal crisis for that matter. This is the other view that says that uh, education should never uh, be paid by government. There are people who really believe that uh, once government pays for free education, it's no longer valuable and so forth. I think these two extremes are actually a problem in South Africa. I think that uh, the solution to an affordable education, which can be paid by all of us, lies right there in the middle, where you find models through which people are not going to be prohibited from accessing education because of their economic uh, background for that matter. That is what you need to be dealt with the risk or maybe the cost uh, of paying that education will have to be distributed within society through various instruments. My sense when I looked at that report I thought that uh, the Fees Commission report is it gets closer towards that practical middle line. It's not perfect though but it gets closer but the manner in which it has been ravished already, misunderstood, people are saying you can't just talk about loans and so forth. I, I-, I think that we need to take a step back and regain the nuances on this All right, Joel, you're going to be with us for the next 20 minutes or so. So we're going to try and, and unpack all of that. What do the What's the role of the commercial banks in funding all of this? Will this money eventually be able to help all students? Will it benefit, in fact, those who are already privileged and leave the poor behind? Is it 40 billion? Is it 50 billion? Where is it going to come from? And if we look at possible austerity measures coming up, if we get a downgrade, what does the future look like? 
702. Afternoon Drive with Mongani Bingwa. Live. Online. The 702 app. DSTV. And 92.7 and 106 FM. I definitely think one of the stories that we're going to be watching out for is what's unfolding in Zimbabwe right on our border, of course. Uh, reports that military tanks have been rolling into the capital, Harare, this afternoon. That's a very, very worrying development. Of course, uh, the cynic might say, what, all 10 of them uh, rolling into the capital? But we have seen some unprecedented developments over the last few days. We haven't heard this kind of harsh criticism against President Robert Mugabe, not from the military at least. And it's very interesting how it's been couched because it's around defending the military veterans. Of course, you'll remember it was just a couple of weeks or a week or so ago that he fired his uh, former vice president. So we'll be definitely keeping an eye on that. We'll try and get, uh, if we can, get through to Harare, uh, try and get someone on the ground to give us a sense of what's going on there. But uh, it's a very, very worrying situation. We'll try and keep you updated. It's all happening in Parliament as well. Of course, uh, former, or at least uh, the Eskom board spokesperson, Kulani Koma, uh, giving some strong criticism against Minister Lynn Brown, uh, saying that basically, as far as he's concerned, she is captured. And of course, the minister retorting, warning MPs to be careful in how they probe questions to witnesses in that inquiry. It's definitely all happening and of course we're continuing this conversation around free higher education and what it necessarily means for South Africa, which plan will be followed, what the commission uh, says and that uh, that was released uh, just a couple, or just yesterday in fact, or is that alternative plan that is being mooted going to be the way to go? We'll talk about all of that in the coming minutes. I'm in the studio with uh, Ralph Mateja, political analyst, and we've been looking at what the Fees Commission report has uh, suggested. Remember that 700-page document was released yesterday, and it's put a price tag of 50 billion rand to the notion of free higher education. And we've already spoken about the fact that just because it's being called free doesn't mean it isn't free. Somebody is paying for it. It just means that perhaps uh, the recipients are not. In that context, Ralph, we've also heard reports that the minister in the presidency, Jeff Khadebe, and his director general, Mpumipo have been appraising budgets across government to make available an amount of 40 billion rand for a presidential free education plan that is being mooted. Uh, it, uh, there have been reports uh, previously, of course, that, that this is being spearheaded by a man who has links uh, to the president's family, might have once been a boyfriend to one of his daughters. Uh, That's the information we have heard that may have nothing to do with the access that he has received, but many people within uh, government institutions certainly raising eyebrows about that. There is this sense of mixed messaging coming through. What's the situation? Well, you know, um, the 40 billion amount price tech that has been uh, talked about, I it sounds so hasty for me. And again, Bongani, we have been observing government expenditure. In most areas, you're going to find cost overruns that are usually uh, over 50% of the initial estimate of what this will call. So I think that proper calculations will have to be made, first of all, to start with on that point, that proper calculation will have to be made. I think that there seems to be agency in terms of dealing with this. Agency that is not necessarily based on the agency of the need for students, but the agency in terms of maybe 
the politics of it to a point where it appears to me they are a hasty attempt to get this expedited quickly without properly thinking about it. I think that uh, is quite a concern here because the intention just might be politics instead of coming up with a sustainable process. So if we talk it being if we talk about it being politics, if the president announces free education without a clear plan to pay for it, the consequences will be dire. They will be very dire. I mean, before you can even announce that, you really need feasibility uh, from maybe even the finance ministry. We don't know exactly what is Treasury's position regarding this. What we have heard is that uh, Treasury has been consulted and we have seen people from Treasury leaving. Does that mean that uh, Treasury's thinking is that uh, you cannot sustain this? What is the basis of feasibility? Has any feasibility been conducted on this? And again, uh, this is in parallel to what we find in the report, the Fisc Commission report. The Fisc Commission report for me introduces a, a comprehensive gradual approach perhaps towards a, a affordable education if you like and I think that maybe maybe we should try to stick to that maybe we should expedite that report uh, uh, and not just resort ourselves to the executive summary and conclude what we are going to do we need to look deeply into this report uh, the fees commission report because I think it provides viable avenues to deal with this what about the I mean, and, and part of the problem around this is, of course, uh, you know, even when we look at the details of a mm. report like we had from yesterday, there's a lot of speculation because there's so much else that seems to also be at play. We, we had understood uh, that uh, earlier the year, in the year, cabinet approved a move or a proposal mm-hmm. for the budgeting process to be moved to the presidency and away from treasury. Is this then connected to all of these plans to make sure that this thing is pushed through at all costs. It appears that uh, if you announce without doing feasibility based on financial tools and uh, without consultation or proper consultation with your finance ministry, certainly you are circumventing the budget, the budgeting process. And in that way, you are actually going to fund this as an off-budget activity, something that is not really factored in within the budget. That can be very costly. Remember in South Africa, uh, as far as I'm concerned, as far as my understanding of the budget is concerned, having been there at Treasury is that South Africa does not have off-budget activity. Everything that we choose to fund has to be factored in with all other priorities from the fiscals that we have. We have a single fiscal. So for that matter, it means it has to go through uh, a, a treasury. But relocating the function of treasury to the presidency, it is a constitutional issue. Remember, unlike many other uh, departments in South Africa, I'll give you an example with all due respect. Unlike the sports ministry, treasury is provided for directly in the constitution. The responsibility of Treasury to issue out tools regarding the financing and the process it is provided for in the Constitution. If you read Section 200 down the Constitution, you will find direct explicit provision for the role and function of National Treasury. It is not there at the discretion of the executive now. It is a constitutional imperative. You cannot move it. So if they try to usurp its function and its role, that could be a constitutional issue. Exactly. You will have to align the Constitution uh, uh, with that so that you can be able to at least remain within the law. How do you explain Michael Sachs's resignation? It appears to me that the senior people within National Treasury have been leaving. Uh, some of the people, it's not just Michael Sachs, of course. Uh, there are some very experienced people who have left before who understand the budget very well, like Andrew Donaldson. To me, this appears and the timing gives the impression that there seems to be resistance towards what needs to be done around this education. Are we cutting our noses to, to spite our faces because... A downgrade now looks like an almost certainty 
And that may mean somewhere along the line we're forced into austerity measures. It may mean we go with a begging bowl to uh, institutions like the IMF. And that may mean we don't have money not only for free education, we don't have money for a lot of our social programs. Exactly. It will increase the cost of borrowing. It will devalue our assets. It will devalue uh, the assets that are being held within our economy. And I think in the long run, we might run into a situation where we have to engage in excessive uh, austerity measures, which we cannot negotiate. For now, there is a lot that we can still negotiate because we are still relatively in a better position. The more we actually uh, drive our economy towards junk stages, the more we lose leverage in terms of negotiations as to what we want to do. Ralph, this is playing with fire. It is indeed. That's what it is. And I think that uh, people tend to think that uh, you can do this and solve the political issue and then go back and reinstate your credibility with the financial institutions. It doesn't work that way. Credibility, once it's gone, it takes a great deal of pain to bring it back. So we've got to look at all of this then holistically in terms of what happens in the short term. If that announcement is made, there are very, very serious implications. If we have a, a more midterm to long-term view and we see uh, the recommendations of the HEHA report being uh, implemented that may perhaps buy us some time but there's lots Mm -hmm. to be concerned about we're certainly going to keep our eye on the ball